So wake me up. This is JB for breakfast. Get all up. Of course, big international news going around the place at the moment. Uh, over the weekend, the, uh, the United Kingdom have split from the EU now. Uh, and also, of course, Donald Trump. But there was one thing that did, I don't think, got the the real news uh, that it deserved. Because this is a big international story, I like to think. And it involves <laughs> Maldives re-entering the Commonwealth. It's, it's a big story. It's and, a massive um, story. You know, I think that... Down here, you know, we put news first and that's yes. why we are giving this story the attention that it deserves and needs, quite frankly, because yes. this is this is news of the week right here. I think so. It was, it was hot on the fax machine this morning when I came into work, sent from the actual Commonwealth Division. Wow. From the Commonwealth Secretary himself. This is almost like a telegram from the Queen. How are you on that, that mailing land? list? I have no idea. <laughs> That's the that is the question. <laughs> it was surely meant to go to someone else. Do you think that, like, maybe the Tamworth in England has the same email address or something? And you, they're going, True. why didn't we get this email about the Maldives? How come we missed out? And then Tamworth here in Australia is like, guys, this is big news down here. That's That could be a possibility. Yeah. I have to look into that. Because <laughs> certainly the very first, unless news doesn't happen very often in uh, you know, the Commonwealth headquarters. Uh, it's certainly the first press release I've ever got from him. So, mm. you know, it looks like I'm back on the Christmas card list. Looking <laughs> forward to it. Um, for more details, Annie, please, if you will, because I think this deserves the justice of it being delivered in the mm. proper, the news voice, if mm. you will. So please tell us more about Maldives re-entering the Commonwealth. I'm Annie Lewis and this is the latest from the newsroom. The Commonwealth has welcomed its 54th family member after the Maldives application for a readmission was approved. The small island nation officially rejoined the Commonwealth at midnight on Saturday. This marks the end of a process that began 13 months ago in December 2018 when President Ibrahim Mohamed Saleh wrote to the Commonwealth Secretary General expressing the country's interest in rejoining. After due diligence, which included country assessment and consultations in accordance with the rules and procedures agreed by the Commonwealth Heads of Government in Kampala in 2007, Maldives has been readmitted. Commonwealth Secretary-General Patricia Scotland said she warmly congratulated Maldives on its successful application and she is delighted to welcome the country and its people back to the Commonwealth. The reform process underway in Maldives aligns with the values and principles of the Commonwealth and they encourage the nation to continue on this path. And that's the latest from the local newsroom. <laughs> the, <laughs> lo- stumbled towards lo- <laughs> the local Maldivian <laughs> newsroom. Fantastic. I think with that name in the middle there, that is uh, a very good application if you ever want to apply for a job at the SBS. Perfect. I Nailed it. I should have practised that one. <laughs> <laughs> so wake me up. This is JB for breakfast. Get all up. I was chatting on the weekend all about uh, what are the worst types of dishes to wash up, the really, really, really annoying ones. I did a lot of cleaning over the weekend. I was getting frustrated, especially with the big pots and pans that don't fit in the sink properly. They're horrible. And the giant mixing bowls, they're horrible to clean out as well. Just horrendous. And then you got baked cheese on it and everything. It's just bad. And the oil that doesn't come off. Mm. It's just 
It's just a horrible chore doing the dishes. Mm. It really is. Have you ever, like, baked something, like brownies or something? Yeah. And then find that when you're washing that up, like, the brownie mix just somehow gets everywhere. Yes. And, like, the water just doesn't feel clean. Like, you just need to wash it so many times. But cheese stuck on forks, like, from, like, you eat, like, bolognese with, like, cheese on top. Washing that is a pain because, like, you're trying to get it off and it just sticks and it's so hard. Then you're there with your nails. Yes. It's an exhausting enterprise. Um, The little grooves in between the potato masher, (laughs) that is impossible to get the the potato out of that. Yeah. That's just, you've got to get, like, a toothbrush in between there. Yeah. You know? You've got to, and the key is you just always have to rinse straight after using. Like, yes. if you leave that yeah, in the it. sink, you, rookie. Yeah, you're off. Buy yeah. a new one. Yeah, and give the, up. <laughs> and old dried wheat bix on the bowls, mm. too. That is impossible. You just throw the bowl yeah, out. Yes. You can't too hard. get that stuff And off. there's just always like the one fleck. That yes, you can't, like you have slaved for hours. Yes. And then there's just this one tiny dot. And really, it's just not that significant. You could probably ignore yeah. it, but it's there on the pristine white bowl. Yeah. That's it. And it drives you nuts. That dried wee bit, I swear they use that for concrete before concrete was invented. <laughs> I reckon sanitarium invented wee bits before concrete. I think early houses were built with dried wheat bix as the concrete. Yeah, wow, you should test that theory. I think so. I, would, I reckon I would watch that. We I do it we do a deal with sanitarium, the mm. house that sanitarium built. Mm-hmm. Get me a couple of bricks and some old wheat bix and I will use that to build a house. Yeah, why not? Just like a little cute, you know, brick house. Yeah. Maybe with Just a build pool. it out the back here. Oh, with a pool. Okay. <laughs> I'll see what I can do now. <laughs> yeah. That involves a lot of digging that I was hoping I wasn't going to have to do. I was hoping I'd just have to build it. Danny likes but... digging, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He quite often digs himself holes that he has to climb out of. So <laughs> we'll crack on. It, I mean, I don't know if it's that hygienic. It might attract a lot of ants to this house that sanitarium built, but mm. I reckon it's got legs. I don't know because I feel I like reckon... once it dries, it has no smell or anything. Thing. Like if you're not using milk, if you're using yes. water oh, yeah. to bind it, yep. I'm getting way too. <laughs> this is very getting scientific this. now. Wow, is Adam Spencer joining us <laughs> next? Too, is he? So wake me up. This is JB for breakfast. Get on up. 92.9. Uh, to improve pedestrian safety in the Tamworth CBD, the speed limit. And a number of streets throughout the CBD will be reduced to 40 kilometres per hour. The move is in line with the Roads and Maritime Services recommendation for high pedestrian activity zones. It's a final stage of works for the zone. Previous works included the new median strips, line markings, new pedestrian crossing and lighting and curb blisters throughout the CBD. The streets where the speed limits will change include Darling Street, Burke Street, Fitzroy Street, White Street, Hill Street, Roderick Street, Peel Street, Cable Avenue, Dow Street, Trelaw Lane, Burns Avenue, Flyde Lane and Smith Place. They'll come into effect from the 17th of February 2020 and signage and pavement markings will be installed over the next couple of weeks. Drivers are advised to take extra care and obey the new lower speed limit. A high pedestrian activity zone, if you're you know, asking the question, you might you know, get asked this one day at a <laughs> trivia night, is created where there is a high number of pedestrian traffic commonly near shopping strips, railway station and bus interchanges. 
So there you go. Going to be slanted down. A lot of people saying, you know, I thought the speed limit through Pill Street was already 40. I'm not sure what it is. I know it's, it's 50. It's 50 through there, is it? Hmm. Be hard to get 50 through there most yeah. of the times. Is that congested? It's you can walk 50 faster. 50 is an ideal world. Yeah, that's it. 2 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday or something, yeah. you'd be able to make that. But <laughs> of the course, council meeting's happening. <laughs> so I'll pick another time then, not Tuesday, because it's very busy yeah. down there with those yeah. council meetings. I always schedule my time through the town around the council meetings. It's a big uh, deal. It's a very big deal. Maybe 2 a.m. Wednesday then, yes, yes, away from that council meeting. But, of course, this also affects the, the speed limit changes through not just Peel Street but ev- everywhere throughout the CBD on all those streets as well mm. so it's probably a wise move there's a lot of pedestrians through there yes i've just realized it's i've good. misread something wrong in this announcement it said they create a high pedestrian activity zone yeah um and then it is done by installing a range of traffic calming devices on roadways mm. i thought that was like they were going to be calming drivers and i was like what's that like is they going to have coming music you know, a bit of like misters, <laughs> like, you know, they're going to dim the lights or something. No, as in they're going to try to calm some the whale, speed the sounds, of traffic. The sounds of whales emanating oh my God, through like the thunderstorm noise through the speed. <laughs> I would froth that. That would do a lot for my heart rate on Peel Street because I get really stressed out on that road. <laughs> Especially when you have to reverse angle park. Yeah, do you that, know? That would be one of the traffic calming devices is removing the reverse <laughs> angle park. Please. <laughs> no. Council, I am appealing to you here and now. I'm bearing my soul. Please remove the reverse parks. I'm begging you. It's part of the fun during the festival, though, watching the tourists attempt to do it. That's okay. Danny's promised that he'll teach me how to do okay. it. <laughs> cool. We'll put GoPros in the car when he teaches you to do that as well. So wake me up. This is JB for breakfast. Get all up. Back in 2020. Great to have him back here. It is Mayor for Tamworth, Cole Murray. Thanks for coming in for a chat. Yeah, good morning, JB, and a happy new year to yeah, you. Yeah, happy, happy new year. It's always <laughs> odd saying it in February, but good to have you back. Hopefully you had a Good Christmas and New Year, all those distant memories now. <laughs> yes, they certainly fade into the distance yes. uh, come festival time. <laughs> that changes everything. Uh, festival was well received um, all round. I think if we were to average everything out, I think it was uh, pretty well received. Obviously, a lot to contend with too with bushfires, unfortunately, and, and the drought, which is obviously ongoing. But I think overall it was it was a good festival. Yeah, JB, it's pretty interesting uh, when we talk about numbers and obviously they were down this year and um, we still haven't got the final sort of wash-up of numbers but we're expecting that number's going to be somewhere around 10% 10 or so down. Um, But, you know, we often talk about uh, is bigger better? Is bigger always better? And I think the festival this year demonstrated that it doesn't have to be a record crowd to be a good festival Mm. and you know as I move around the um, different venues and events and things around the festival talk to a lot of artists obviously a lot of um, stakeholders you know in terms of um, you know uh, um, clubs pubs Mm. restaurants um, business houses down the street Everybody seemed to get a, a pretty reasonable go at the festival mm. this year. So, um, you know, some pretty good pretty good stories coming out. 
Yeah, and I know certainly some of the artists, I mean, we got a couple here that are also part-time uh, musicians too, and they said all the shows that they were performing at during the festival, they were all really well patronised and a lot of people coming through the doors, probably, you know, even up on last year in those licensed venues and licensed premises. So, yeah, that's got to be a, a, a definitely a good thing. I know a lot of people are saying that, you know, the numbers looked a bit quieter and a bit thinner in Peel Street, but then in the licensed venues, they seem to be really crowded and full. So, you know, I think it's just the festival changing dynamics, if you will, I think. Yeah, I think you're dead right, JB. And, you know, when you look back into those heady days of the mm. 80s and 90s and uh, everything used to happen in Pearl Street those mm. days, well, you know, the reality is today in 2020 we see so many other venues and so many air-conditioned options for people to, mm. you know, to not not uh, battle with the heat and, yeah. and everything in Pearl Street. And uh, that's just, a, a, I guess, a, an evolutionary move of the festival. And uh, But it's interesting that, that, um, you know, the festival wasn't good for every stakeholder. I think there were some that didn't have a great festival, but um, the consistent message that I was hearing was that if uh, those that invested in the festival and, you know, got some uh, some good bands and some good artists and mm. uh, some good engagement with the, with the actual festival, uh, got a good dividend out of it. Yep. So uh, it's, a, it's a good message to hear. Uh, water usage during the festival. Um, obviously, we end up having the rain at the very end there, which is very welcomed, that's for sure. Um, but certainly, you know, water was pretty much on par with what Council was saying for usage during the festival. Yeah, there were certainly no surprises yep. for Council. The water use, you know, in reality, it, it is not a big thing for the for the uh, festival that came. But I think the biggest change, of course, was the weather was a bit cooler and it's that really hot weather and obviously the evap coolers and things that um, use a lot of water. So as soon as they get sort of switched off, um, irrespective of how many people are in town, yeah. the, the water use, you know, softens. Yeah. Some speed limit changes coming through the CBD a little later on in February. Yeah, JB, that's uh, part of a program that councils uh, started, I think, what, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was about making the CBD more pedestrian safe and uh, following on from, you know, the dialogue with the RMS and the discussion about um, pedestrian safety in high, high pedestrian, high traffic areas. Um, and that sort of falls in line to the recommendations, um, you know, for safety from the RMS right across the state. And uh, the final stage of that program is the speed limit reduction down to 40 k's around those CBD streets. So uh, that implementation, yeah, comes in later this month. Uh, big 12 months for council. Sort of what's what are you looking forward to for this year? Well, we've, we've got some, um, you know, of course the, uh, the Blueprint yep. program, is, uh, it's out on public display yep. now. Um, it's, it, it'll be a, a big subject for council and how, and, and that's really about planning for the future, uh, how we, we understand what all those uh, infrastructure triggers are. We understand, irrespective of how fast or slow the growth occurs, um, you know, we'll, we'll be in a very good position to, you know, to prepare for, yep. to lobby for funding, etc., to do the pre-construction planning uh, for all that infrastructure. There's um, the start of some of that works actually happens with, um, you know, with relation to the new intermodal and the new uh, industrial precinct out at Glenartney. 
Um, you know, the the new roundabout and the new entrance yeah. to the airport's uh, imminent. It's about to start in in uh, in weeks. Yeah. That's a large project that uh, around about a $9 million project. Um, building that sort of infrastructure under traffic is, is always yeah. a bit testy and takes some time. Uh, there will be the works, uh, stormwater drainage works associated with with the new industrial precinct, the um, you know the in, uh, the intermodal, the upgrade to the yep. railway line will be starting this year. There's um, we've got the uh, renewal of our local environmental plan, which is a big big project for council to uh, renew that. So that that work uh, happens mainly this year. Yep. And uh, so there's lots on the books. Yeah, yeah. very busy. <laughs> and then we've got a council election at the end of this year as well. So yes, uh, to throw that into the mix. <laughs> September, yeah, uh, council election. So that always yep. um, that always makes a pretty exciting time. The dynamics change a little bit yep. uh, in the build up, and you know, it's exciting time for a new council to come in and. Um, and and bed down and um, you know reflect on that four-year operational yep. plan, which is a pretty important part of local government process. How a new council might uh, choose to, you know, uh, select its priorities for the next four years, and how that translate in, relates into, you know, each one-year operational yep. plan. So yeah, lots to do. Sensational. Looking forward to it. Cole Murray, thank you so much for coming in for a chat, and we'll chat in a fortnight. So wake me up. This is JB for breakfast. John 92.9.